Hello, I'm Sandy Toxvig, and this is We Will Get Past This, where I welcome you into my calm room of books, so I can share tales from history of various deeds. Some brave, some baffling, others downright idiotic, in a bid to comfort the soul in this challenging time we find ourselves in. Some of these were recorded with specific dates in mind, but as we've all come to realise, none of that kind of thing really matters. My diary's wide open. There are no rules about when something can be enjoyed, so take a moment to relax and remember this. We will get past this. Hello there, come on in. Will you find our household in something of a state of excitement? Even the fairies who live on the library shelves are a flutter. We have now been living a fairly isolated life for a very long time. I have asthma and have had to be careful, but tomorrow we are hitting the road. We're not dashing to the pub or to a restaurant, but to our kids and grandchildren, where we plan to go crazy and eat homemade pizza together. Who would have thought I would ever have found that the most exciting thing I could imagine? I mean, I'm being ridiculous. I've washed the car for the occasion, and it reminded me of this old book that I have. It's in Danish, but the paintings need no translation. It contains marvellous imagery from the earliest automobiles. There's an ad from the French company De Dion showing the excitement of a family outing in one of these newfangled contraptions. Inexplicably, one of the women in the picture is breastfeeding while the open-top vehicle speeds along at a heady 10 miles per hour. The truly French touch, I think, to this piece of art is that the speeding car manages to frighten a white-faced clown and his horse who are presumably on their way to work at the circus. Uh, it was on July the 3rd, 1886, that the German automotive engineer Karl Benz officially unveiled the Benz patent Motorwagen, the world's first purpose-built automobile. Now, I mentioned back in April how this piece of history leaves out the important part his wife Berta played. It did not mention that the workshop where he made the Benz patent Motorwagen really was hers. He had been in financial trouble with an unreliable business partner. Before she married him, Berta took part of her dowry and bought out the business so that she gained not just a husband, but a financial interest in getting him on the road. She made the investment before the wedding because once she was a married woman, she lost her legal power to invest in anything. Why, put a ring on a woman's finger and she loses the ability to count. There had been attempts at motorizing transport before, but Carl's car was the first automobile entirely designed to generate its own power. It wasn't just a horse carriage with an engine added. He began selling them commercially, but there were some niggling problems. For example, the Motorwagen had only two gears and it needed help to climb hills, which is not ideal for a car. Berta sorted it out. One August morning in 1888, she put her two teenage sons in the new car and set off to do something unheard of, travel more than 30 miles in a car. She didn't tell Carl, nor did she get permission from the authorities, although who needed to know, I have absolutely no idea. Her plan was to drive from their home in Mannheim to her old hometown of Wurzheim. She could check out the car, get some publicity to help sales, and the kids could see Grandma. It was the world's first ever automobile road trip. Along the way, she sorted various technical and mechanical problems, invented a couple of things, and arrived at her mother's in time for supper. She sent a telegram to Carl, letting him know he'd need to get his own dinner. Berta's designs for improvements to the car are all parts which today we take for granted. I'm not sure why cars, and certainly their inner workings, is so often seen as a male preserve. As it happens, I like cars and drive a very fast 5-litre Mustang. I bought it partly because the salesman kept trying to show me tiny cars for old ladies, and I got annoyed. I don't drive it often because of the environment, but I love the sound of the engine. 
Now, I know a bit or two about how it works, but no one ever imagined such a thing. How many times have I had a boy mechanic look at my car motor and suck on his teeth as he prepares to elaborate on my presumed and profound ignorance? It's why I admire Patrice Banks, an American engineer turned mechanic who in 2016 founded the Girls Auto Clinic. It's a car repair centre in Philadelphia where you can get your car serviced and your nails done at the same time. It's staffed by and focuses on women. She also teaches workshops to help women learn the basics of car repair and maintenance and turn them into she-canics. How Bertha Benz would have loved her. Patrice is the way forward. Although seeing behind you was also a woman's idea. Check out the inventor of the rearview mirror online and website after website will tell you it was a racing car driver called Ray Haroon in 1911. This overlooks a marvellous booklet written two years before by Dorothy Levitt entitled The Woman and the Car, a chatty little handbook for all women who motor or who want to motor. In it, Dorothy made helpful suggestions on everything from what to wear to adjusting the foot brake and changing a spark plug. She spends a lot of time talking about the need to bring along a mirror. The mirror should be fairly large to be really useful, and it's better to have one with a handle. You'll find it useful to have it handy, but not only for personal use, but to occasionally hold up and see what's behind you. Yep, Dorothy Levitt had invented the rearview mirror, but hardly anyone gives her credit. Dorothy is not alone in being left out of history. It has happened to women for generations, and I have tried in these small talks to shine a light on what half the population did or thought, which often has not been deemed worthy of attention. I always knew there were many left out, but it has really made me focus on the vast size of the whole in general education. Today, one of the main sources for history content which people access is Wikipedia. This online encyclopedia has more than 53 million articles and attracts one and a half billion unique visitors every month. Unfortunately, it's also a place of deep bias and gender inequality. The main problem, particularly on the English wiki pages, is that the majority of the work being inputted is by men, who have their own interests. The estimated number of women editors is anywhere between 9 and 20%, and this is reflected in both the content and the language. It's not just that women aren't being inputted either. In some cases, they are actively being taken out. So a good example is Donna Strickland, optical physicist at the University of Waterloo in Canada, former president and fellow of the Optical Society, whose work has myriad applications in eye surgery, chemistry, industrial laser machining, biology and medicine in general. In 2018, someone submitted an article about Strickland to Wikipedia because they didn't have a page for her. The article was refused by a volunteer editor who said that Strickland lacked the necessary criteria to be included. She wasn't important enough to be notable. She finally got her page later that year, two days after she won the Nobel Prize for Physics. That surely can't be what it takes to make a woman notable. As of the 23rd of June 2020, only 18.5% of Wikipedia's biographies are of women. Whole swathes of the world are being excluded, and if we don't do something about it, then this present capturing of history will become accepted as unchangeable fact. Here's the thing. We can all do something about it. Sign up and start editing Wikipedia. Every voice can make a difference. It's not that hard. Capture the stories of the women who you come across or who are just in your life and may otherwise go unnoticed in the passage of time. At the beginning of lockdown, I first sat here thumbing through one of my many books. Having never posted anything online, I did not know then that Alex Bell, Debbie and I would go on to create 54 of these and enjoy the company of a small but beautiful community 
of like-minded people across the world. I also did not know that I would be adding to these shelves. As it happens, today, phew, I've just finished writing a book inspired by my history research. It's an almanac marking a different woman of note for every day of the year. It's going to be called Toxvig's Almanac. I have no idea how we thought of the title, and it'll be published in October. All of you who have commented and encouraged, please know you are partly responsible for the book's creation. I have loved hearing from you, and I am sorry if anyone feels I'm letting them down. I am stopping now because, to be completely honest, I need a break. Debbie needs a break, and so does the amazing Alex. We have all worked pretty much every day for more than 100 days, and if I've learned anything, then it's to take another look at work-life balance. I'm going to get in my car and zoom off to be just a mum and a grandma, which is also plenty. Please, take care and be kind. We will get past this, you know. Root Insurance is all about you and how you drive. In fact, that's the number one factor we use to give you a better price, which puts you in control. Just download the Root app, hit the road, and we'll take care of the rest. The app measures your driving behavior and gives you a custom rate based primarily on your driving. The better you drive, the better your rate. It's car insurance made for you. Visit joinroot.com today to get started. Disclaimers may apply. See joinroot.com for details.